welcome to On the Record with Furniture Today, a podcast that goes behind the headlines to look at the news and the newsmakers, the people and the personalities that give the furniture industry its unique flavor. I'm your host, Bill McLaughlin, Editor-in-Chief of Furniture Today. So my guest this week on On the Record is Dave Perry, Executive Editor of Furniture Today and our resident bedding guru. Dave, you just came from one of the two big betting markets in Las Vegas. Um, generally, the summer market is a little quieter, but there was some big news going on out there this week. There was a lot of news. If I yawn here and there, it's because I'm still zonked, <laughs> but uh, but it's all good. I'm zonked on the company's behalf. <laughs> the uh, I would say, Bill, the biggest news was the July introduction of iComfort by Serta. Uh, several things about that. It's a flagship line. It is a, uh, and it's a July launch. And typically, major launches, uh, major product launches in Vegas are made in January. So you've got the counter programming of iComfort. And uh, so I had a lot of talks with different people there about why they were doing that, what that might mean. The way I'm looking at it is they're launching the 2020 line now. It'll be on retail floors maybe starting in October, and it will be totally placed, say, by early next year, which means they'll be totally ready for next year's bedding season. Now, the bad news is they miss Labor Day, which is a major holiday, but the SSB guys are telling me, uh, you know, Black Friday's getting to be really big, so they do hit that. And then there's the 13th month, which is, of course, the final week of the year. But uh, that was a spectacular launch, a lot of fun things. There was a photo booth where uh, Melanie Hewitt and I were doing uh, Boomerang, dressed up in winter clothes. And to think about dressing up in winter clothes at the summer market, now that is something you needed to see. Every single day at summer market was over 100 degrees. I think 107 was the coldest, uh, the coldest day there. I thought... Yeah, it was the coolest, and was 112 the highest? I believe it was. So that was fun, dressing up for winter in the middle of 112 degree weather. It was, and luckily it was in an air-conditioned showroom. You know, I tell everybody, my friends back here in High Point, they always say, you know, how can you, how can you go to Vegas in the summer? And I say, well, there's this thing called air conditioning. Uh, and thank goodness for that. So does, um, did SSB mention anything in terms of a, because it's a fall launch, because they'll be out there with something new when everybody else is kind of on the tail end of their year of marketing. Right. Um, they tend to be pretty sharp marketers. Do they have a plan to, to kind of gather a little bit of extra attention in the fourth quarter? They do. They're going to have a fourth quarter campaign for iComfort. And uh, the other thing is they really had, there was a real buzz in that showroom. And I mean, the, a successful product launch starts probably with a buzzing showroom. Uh, their showroom was buzzing. Traffic was up. Uh, moods were really great in there, and so I think they they come out of this market with momentum. And the other thing is, they're talking about the one reason they had the July launch. They said was to show uh, speed to market. Uh, they've got some new innovations in the line. They've got carbon fiber foam, and they said this. You know, why wait for this until next year? I think they originally were thinking about waiting till January. But the new team there, it says speed to market is critical, and we all know speed to market is critical. 
So they are showing that speed to market, and they have uh, they have something to talk about. One of their points was they would have more to talk about in July than most other people, and that's true. So their, their, the share of voice, the share of buzz around them was high, higher than it would have been in January. So that is interesting. It makes me wonder if other people maybe will start counter-programming. I was, I was wondering the same thing. I mean, not that, you know, furniture yeah. editing tends to be in any way a copycat business ever. <laughs> Perish the thought. Exactly. But, I mean, if they're able to generate some momentum and able to show that, you know, because this is typically a quiet market, there's not a lot going on. Yeah. Um, if you can generate a lot of share of voice, if you can generate a lot of excitement, who knows what may happen next July. Yeah, I think so. And another way to look at this is that with uh, the industry increasingly embracing online brands uh, and online selling, there's no uh, classic season for that. I'm told Black Friday is particularly strong for the online brands. And so uh, if you're going to have an omnichannel business, uh, probably launches at any time are, are a good thing. There's no one classic season for online, whereas, you know, for brick and mortar, the classic, the season basically, President's Day, there's some activity, uh, and then Memorial Day is the kickoff through Labor Day. And if you look that, those are the peak selling months, and then the fourth quarter for brick and mortar is, is the slowest quarter. So again, uh, the counter-programming continues, so they'll have something exciting rolling out at a slower time, and perhaps the RSAs will be able to better assimilate this. And you know, I just think it positions them, they may, it may not be ideal for this fall, but I think it's fantastic for next year. And so I think they have an advantage, and let's face it, a lot of, there'll be a lot of new lines launched in January. They will be, they will be more, uh, they will be placed when those brands are just starting to ship. So I do see an advantage there. And then uh, this year, you know, you know, our friend Connie Post has a great saying, uh, new always beats old. So they've got something new. <laughs> There you go. So. so speaking of online sellers, you talked a little bit about how that's changed the game. Um, there was an online seller here in Las Vegas for the first time, kind of quietly slipped in, did not yep. do any pre-market uh, yep. announcements, actually kind of went out of their way to slip in in a ghostly fashion. Now. I like that. It was the ghostly Casper. Uh -huh. Casper, the uh, the top online brand. Uh, I got invited to their party, and then I discovered a couple of weeks ago. Then I discovered they were going to be showing, and I asked Casper if I could report on them showing, and they said no. They didn't want any advance publicity, which is strange. So uh, I went by the Casper showroom Friday afternoon, and the windows were totally uh, blocked with uh, images. There was a, a door to the showroom that was closed, and so you couldn't see in there at all. And I did go in on Monday morning, and I did look around, but was I... Was there a secret password? Did you have to knock three times? Well, <laughs> there was a secret password. It was called a non-disclosure agreement. Casper had a, when you sign in electronically, uh, name first, email second, the third screen is an NDA, non-disclosure. Uh, I told them I just don't sign non-disclosures. They did let me in. So uh, all I can say is uh, when I went in, I can say nothing. Okay, I'll say just this much. There were mattresses in there. 
I'm shocked to hear this. You heard it, folks. Breaking news. There were mattresses Look, in the Casper show. There were mattresses. And I will tell you what other people said about Casper. And I think the industry usually has a pretty good read on what's going on. The industry believes that Casper went to Vegas to uh, look for brick-and-mortar partners. Uh, interestingly, Casper's showroom was right next to, and by the way, this is other people. I am not giving you hidden messages sent by Casper. Uh, but right next to the Casper showroom is Nectar. And as we all know, Nectar has really come out. They're the fastest growing brand. Nectar is adding brick and mortar stores. And Nectar told me at the Vegas market, they have about uh, 1,200 retail stores, uh, retail doors now. They hope to have 2,500 by the end of the year. So when Nectar is adding all these brick and mortar doors and they're right next to Casper and Casper has come to the betting market, I think it's a logical assumption Casper is looking for brick and mortar stores. Uh, but again, in terms of what Casper said, they have said very, very little. Why? I think some of this is the Casper mystique. They're throwing a, a blanket around what they're doing and I think they want to kind of create a mystique. You know, that being said, if Nectar is adding all these store doors, if you'd think if Casper wanted to add doors, they're, they're, getting, they're getting beat to the punch by Nectar. So I don't exactly understand why Casper's being so low key, other than maybe to create excitement, but it seems like an awful lot of effort to go to a market and do all that to kind of create a buzz. Yeah, I have to think there's more to it than that. It strikes me, though, that all of this activity is really, I mean, there was a period, and we talked about this at last year's betting conference, not 2019. Yeah. People worried, is you know brick and mortar dying? Right. Is direct-to-consumer going to be a problem? Yep. And it looks like, just from what we've seen so far this year, that there is a real opportunity now for furniture and mattress stores to play in the boxed bed business, to play with some really nicely established um, brands that are still investing heavily in marketing. So, I mean, if I was you know looking at the bedding business, I would feel much more optimistic this year that there's some real opportunities for some retailers to put some pretty good brands on their floor, to shake things up a little bit, and to really entice the consumer back into the mattress environment. You know, uh, I agree with that. The irony is, uh, and I just got this today, the domestic, the, the bedding industry is down for the year. Um, in dollars, the industry, the total industry, total market, including imports, the industry is down in dollars three six year to date, and it's down seven five in units. And then if let's just look domestically, domestic uh, dollars, our mattress dollars are down three three. Domestic mattress units are down ten nine. So yikes, that, that is, we're in the middle of a tough tough year. Uh, which probably reinforces your point. It's probably more important than ever to be looking for ways to stimulate your business. Uh, one of the major things I want to do in the next several months is look at how brick-and-mortar retailers are integrating online brands. So I would love to see, I went to Nebraska Furniture Mart maybe a year ago, uh, and they had like just one or two boxed beds on the floor, none of the big names. and. 
you know, what would a great retailer like that, what would they do if they had a Casper or a Nectar? Would they have it in box? Would they have it unboxed? There's a lot of thought in the industry that, that brick-and-mortar retailers are going to sell against the brick, those classic, the, I mean, the online brands. Symbol has a brand X uh, boxed bed set up in their showroom, and then they've got their own 699 version, which is uh, uh, much less than the the uh, the mystery online brand. So they're selling against it right in the showroom, and. You know, it's not clear to me how retailers are going to integrate the two. Are they simply going to add them to their online store? Uh, you almost think they have to add it into in the store, but exactly how do they do it? That I think is where the to me that's the next thing the industry has to kind of figure out. Uh, how do you integrate those? And I know that uh, Nectar says that adding an online brand really helps drive traffic to the brick and mortar store. So. Uh, so I think that's going to be something I'm interested in watching closely. I, I would think that boxed beds give retailers a very powerful lever if you're competing against Amazon. Because Amazon's big convenience play over the last couple of years in every category is get it two days later, right? From 48 hours, even same day, you know, next right. day delivery. Right. Well, if you're a retailer and you have a boxed bed that someone can go in and lay down on right. and then like it, Make a choice, throw it in the car. Yeah, there's no, there's no Amazon can compete with take it home right now. Well, you're right. We can out Amazon, Amazon, uh, and also many brick and mortar retailers, as you know, have same day delivery if you buy early enough in the day. So I think that would be a, a, a great message to take. You know, you like the convenience of Amazon. Hey, we can we can beat Amazon. Well, you know, it's funny. You, we um, we talked about this in uh, I, I forget now whether it was Frontline Friday or the, the run up um, about how fast Ashley is growing. Right. And they have made a very concerted effort in in their home stores to be very heavy in boxed beds. Mm -hmm. I, I believe most, if not all, of their mattresses are now available in boxed configuration. Yeah. Um, and they, they recognize that as a store, they have a real chance. And I, and I mean, I heard somebody refer to it as weaponizing the store. Right? Ooh, I, mean, I like that. Isn't that right? Weaponized. Politicians can weaponize things. We should, too. We can weaponize a store. But you really, you take advantage of an intrinsic um, characteristic of the store, which is walk in, walk out, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that was... Once yeah. upon a time, that was Walmart's advantage, cash and carry. Which, yeah, cash and carry. Remember that phrase? I'm all yep. cash and yeah, carry. Yeah, me too. Now you can cash and carry a mattress, yeah. which is, um, I would think that that's a very powerful thing, especially for myself as a consumer, the idea that I can walk in and walk out. It's very appealing. No, that is. And, you know, Ashley grew 50% last year. They, uh, they're up to number seven on the top producer list. They're the fastest growing brand. And Todd Wanick says they, have more they do more box beds than anyone. You know, as you know, Ashley's made a major commitment to Vietnam. They've got a super, a couple of super bedding plants in Vietnam. Uh, yes, Ashley will, as they do in many categories, they will probably show us the way in mattresses. What a great time to cover the mattress business. You know, it is. And speaking of that, if I can share a few numbers, uh, this will show you. Uh, this will show you kind of how the industry is uh, is changing. One thing is, as you know, and uh, our readers and listeners know, we're doing more and more um, online. So uh, I made a little count here to see what uh, what my market, the Las Vegas market, looked like. So altogether, uh, we I was in 24 different videos, 
and uh, some of these were bedding insights and that's two per showroom and then some were just quick videos that I shot and put up on Twitter so you know you think about this a lot of some people only see us in print but 24 videos I mean this is another way to tell our story and uh, many of those I tweeted out and I did a little count on the tweet situation uh, my tweet activity uh, 50 tweets in Las Vegas and uh, so what were the top tweets of those a 5.45 a.m. tweet, 5.45, I took a picture from my hotel room of the World Market Center campus, and you could see the Scott brothers looming large. <laughs> Even from a distance, there they were. So I said in my tweet, it's 5.45, and I'm saying good morning to the Scott brothers. Uh, 14,000 people, uh, that, that had 14,000 impressions. So the Scott brothers, who continue with Ristonic, continue to be a social media juggernaut. Uh, number two in tweets was a video with Melanie Hewitt that I shot at the Innovation Center. Melanie, uh, the uh, CMO of SSB, Melanie held a light bulb. First she touched it to some traditional gel foam, of course nothing happens. Then she touches it to the carbon fiber uh, memory foam in the new iComfort line. The light bulb lights up. It literally is is conductive enough to draw electricity in. Now, no one's going to be electrocuted. Let's don't. We don't want to scare people. Uh, I've come up with the informal tagline: "Just enough electricity to get you going, or just enough of a spark to get you going," which is totally my own doing. But uh, the way it kind of draws the electricity and it also draws heat, being conductive, it draws heat away from the body. So that is a clever demonstration. That's a very good um, visual. And visuals are critical. You know, when you get into this category of how do you demonstrate a product benefit? And it's, it's hard to do that. I mean, it's really hard. The, many of the, fa the fabrics today are cool to the touch. That is demonstrable. You run your hand on that, it feels cool. So that's powerful, but literally, and, and the imagery of a light bulb. So bright idea, light bulb goes off. There it is, they've got a clever demo unit that, that illustrates that. And the rest of the, uh, there were two other tweets that mentioned iComfort and then uh, the fifth most popular tweet was uh, from uh, Bedgear. And Eugene Aletto continues to come up with some very clever ideas. And this market, he had a showroom that was called Everything But Sleep. It was called Sleep Mart was the name of the store. And then it said Everything But Sleep. And the entire little showroom was full of non-mattress and pillow products. And it was vitamins, it was uh, noise-reducing machines, there was a wacky belt that I put on that has three rubber balls. You can move those around, and if you're a stomach sleeper, set those on your front side, and then when you roll over on your stomach, it'll make you roll another way. There's a t-shirt with a pocket in the back that you put a tennis ball in. That will prevent you from being a back sleeper. So there's a whole shop full of gimmicks. And one of Eugene's messages there is, uh, we actually are selling better sleep and look at all these gimmicks. Now on a side note, in a way that says there's a whole other industry that is allied with ours, but it's a way to reinforce the, our need to sell sleep. I mean, uh, here's a sleep shop with not a single mattress 
And yet there's enough stuff in there. And, you know, and there are all these trendy things, as you probably know. Uh, what, there's an alarm clock that, that, hi, you, that hides itself. You have to get up to try to find it. it you know, that's kind of cool stuff. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that. My, my son. You have one. Deep sleeper. No, but he has an app that he puts on his phone. And you take a picture of something in your house and in another room. And when your alarm goes off, the only way to turn the alarm off is to go back to whatever that location is and take a picture <laughs> of this thing. So here he is, you wander sleepily around your cell trying to remember what the heck you took a picture of last night. That is funny. To turn your alarm off. So that is you funny. Know what? I'll take a, a good mattress, a good pillow any day. Yeah. And that's a, a much better way to get good sleep. That is. But so it's a very clever way to, to demonstrate. Well, you know, at the bedding conference, we had some research that looked at some of these new uh, opportunities and uh, we found that uh, of all things I think it's chocolate covered melatonin or, or melatonin with chocolate is like is a thing and uh, hey that might be a good thing for betting shops to carry I mean a line melatonin I mean if you just look what's in there vitamins you know we don't no mattress store probably thinks well I should have uh, you know sleep aids or anything but I'm, in a way it's a natural thing so maybe a few of those things are good things to add. And we all know that every, all those retailers are trying to boost their tickets. I think the challenge of adding things that you don't know anything about is you don't know anything about them. And you may not be much of an expert at selling vitamins or noise reducing uh, you know, headphones or whatever. But that's, it, it's interesting. Uh, there is a big industry growing up around uh, better sleep. I just think we should kind of own that. Uh, Men's Health ha often has articles on the best new sleep gadgets. And I think, you know, the best new sleep gadget, it, it's the new eye comfort line, or it's the new, what, it's the new temper uh, base uh, that has uh, anti-snore technology. By the way, that base at Tempur-Pedic, they, they have sensors, no microphones they emphasize, but they have sensors that can uh, detect the vibration in your throat. So while you're sleeping, your spouse is sleeping, it will detect you snoring and it will raise, elevate the uh, head uh, 12 degrees automatically. They said nobody else has this automatic feature. This could be a game changer. Uh, snoring, as we know, is prevalent. There are other, other companies talk about uh, you can adjust the bed to eliminate snoring, but it's manually, not automatically. Uh, and that's, there's not a massive premium on that. The two bases are $17.99 and $21.99, I believe, which is for adjustable bases. So, uh, you know, that could be a game changer. And um, I, that's a, that was one of the, that was another, by the way, major introduction in Vegas. Didn't really know that was coming, but I saw it there. So TSI also had a, you know, you could call that a major launch. That's very, that's a very significant development. Very interesting. Uh, yeah. I, I know my wife will be very pleased to hear that. I suspect one of those will. Uh, yeah. Will be appearing in our. I suspect my wife. You see, I deny that I snore. Uh, uh, but my wife says otherwise, so uh, I think a lot of people snore. And it, do boomers snore more than millennials? Do we think? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, somebody I, in the betting industry will probably do research. But I have to say, the betting business is so innovative, and the pace of technological change. I mean, this is not an industry that ever gets caught sleeping. 
excuse the pun. Well done. Well, I, let's take another example. I think we both were at M. Lilly. Yep. And yep. I think we both played paper hockey. We did. <laughs> well, because we remember air hockey. Yeah. They had a power breeze base that has fans in the base, and the circulation is so strong that you could take a piece of paper, which we both did, and just with a little flick of your finger, it would slide right across the top of the mattress. That is cool, literally cool. And so uh, they had that. They also, M. Lilly had a $4,000 boxed bed. Now, uh, Amazon has like, you know, 199 boxed beds. Uh, the industry, you, no one makes any money at 199 or maybe even 299 but this is an interesting development. A, a number of people were pushing higher priced box beds in Las Vegas. And uh, one of their messages is, you can put a really good mattress in a box. So we'll have to see how that develops. That's, a, that's the highest priced box bed that I've seen. And so a number of the box bed guys told me it's actually tough to sell a box bed at over a thousand, but there were a number of box beds there that were over a thousand, and so uh, we'll have to. That'll be something else to kind of watch and it's see. It's a rapidly evolving category, and I find it interesting because at our betting conferences, when we talk to some of the more traditional mattress players, when they expressed concern about the box bed business. Most of them seem to think that the antidote was to move up market and right. sell better quality, sell higher price points. Right. So now if you see box beds themselves moving up, mm -hmm. my guess is that the credibility of box beds will continue to grow, consumers will come to accept. So there's a real assortment battle that's going to be going on over the next couple of years. Well, one of the questions is, uh, will the consumer accept a luxury product in a box? And right now, the luxury guys don't think so. They don't have boxed beds. M. Lilly is not a luxury producer, but they do have that product, uh, which is going to be made domestically, by the way. They're building a huge factory down in South Carolina. I guess they've built it, and it'll come online in the next few months uh, more fully. But yeah, that's going to be something to watch. Um, Amazon is teaching the industry and teaching everyone that you can sell a whole lot of inexpensive boxed beds. Amazon is a force. Uh, you know, Amazon is a force unto itself. I don't think there's any stopping Amazon, but that doesn't mean there are not opportunities to sell better goods. And one of my uh, taglines, or one of the things that I say all the time, is we need to sell better sleep, not cheaper sleep. You know, ironically, Amazon is is rewriting that. You know, they're saying it's okay to sell cheaper sleep too. Uh, I, the challenge is, you know, the race to the bottom is a, is kind of a depressing thing, and there's a race to the bottom now on adjustable bases. This is the hottest product out there right now, retailers have said, and yet uh, uh, major retailers are giving it away, giving away adjustable bases with a, the purchase of a certain price mattress. and. I just think that's absolutely the wrong thing to do. We've got a great product uh, with technology. It 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 can it it's got lots of support for higher prices, and yet it's a very hot. I guess on the positive side, the fact that retailers are responding shows that that this is a product they desire. But in general, the industry you know wants to move uh, up to higher prices. Retailers make more money, consumers get better products, uh, probably a lot, almost, all those are good things. Whereas when you just go you know, to the rock bottom of the market, uh, you're, giving up, uh, you know, you're giving up quality and feels. 
One of the things that retailers like to do to sell better beds is start consumers out on better beds. And they say, you know, you'll, you'll sell a higher bed if you start out at the top and then move down. But boy, if you start out down at the bottom, you know, as you move down in price, you give up comfort, you give up features. So at the bottom, you've got, you know, what do you really have down there? Uh, you know, not, not a lot. And I think one of the problems is millennials can sleep on anything. You know, my own kids and when, you know, right out of college should sleep on the floor. They wouldn't even, they wouldn't even need much of anything. Uh, as we know, boomers like us, uh, no, you know, uh, uh, spoiler alert, we're boomers. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we just can't do that. But I think, uh, I think some of the very inexpensive boxed beds are, are good for people who don't need much in a mattress, but they're going to need more later. And I think one of the things that Mike Magnuson of GoodBed.com said at the bedding conference is that Amazon is kind of uh, establishing commodity pricing for mattresses, namely $300 you can get a good mattress. That's not really true. You can get maybe a, a decent mattress, but that's not going to be a good bed for everyone. And we don't want to say, well, $300 is all you have to spend. That's that that's that way lies madness. I, I'm curious. I, I'm. I see all of the same pitfalls and potentials that you do, and I, but I have a couple questions that I, I'm very curious to see play out. Okay. One is, on the adjustable base side. Right. Overall household penetration relatively low. Nine uh, percent in 2016. Right. So very low. So perhaps you have an opportunity to dramatically increase household penetration low entry level units, low cost of trial, and then if people try it and they like the general proposition, right. now there's an opportunity to start, and if I was in the business, yeah. I would be looking at what are, I would be doing consumer research like crazy right. on what are consumer pain points around these lower priced adjustable bases. Right. And then you start to step up with, and, and we know there's plenty of really excellent adjustable bases out there, high feature, yeah. high tech products, yeah. offer a lot of, I mean, you can have Alexa raise your head for you, yeah. Alexa raise your feed for you, yeah. we've both seen that. But does that mean Alexa's listening? Well, pretty much yes, it, it does. does. Yes. <laughs> what um, else is she listening so to? Is Google, yeah. Yeah. But again, there's a, there's a real step up, up opportunity on that second sale. Right. The other thing when I look at these lower price mattresses, and I, I would presume that the replacement cycle is significantly shorter. Yes, um, yes. And I think one of the, the ways that the bedding industry kind of shot itself in the foot was, and we talked about this several years ago, with warranties, right? right. 25 years, yep. lifetime warranty. Yep. In, a, in an industry where you want replacement, you don't want somebody to think that they buy one mattress and it's good for their life. Yes. I cannot imagine a consumer buying a $199 mattress in a box throwing it down on their bed and not replacing that within a relatively short cycle. So again, yes. that, that replacement opportunity, right? That that second generation sale, there strikes me as an, an opportunity there for people who are savvy. There, There is, one of the really scary things to look at though is what is the replacement cycle of those gonna be? I think it's kind of a lousy way for us to grow the industry by just selling more more cheaper products instead of more better products. And let's say the 199 bed is replaced after three years instead of uh, a much better bed for six or seven years. Um, but, but what have we done to those consumers? I mean, they're gonna look at the mattress as not worthy of 
a more major investment. But again, if that's millennials just starting out as they start having kids and families, I mean, they'll perhaps they'll move up in price. Uh, well, I mean, I, again, we only have our own personal experiences to call on, right? I right. remember my, my first apartment, um, we had a sleeper sofa. Yep. Okay. Very inexpensive. Yep. The mattress was not very comfortable. Bar in the middle. Right. After about. Yep, I remember. We had one of those too. Okay, so after about a year, 10 months or a year, we ended up folding the bed up every night and throwing the mattress on the floor because it hurt so much. Yeah. I have never spent so so little on a sleep product again. Right. The lesson there, and I mean, there's two things that occur, right? One, you learn from the negative experience, but two, you, your right. earning potential increases. You're at right. a different yep. stage of your life. Yep. And so you tell yourself, I'm not making that same mistake again. So. Yep. There is a potential, and this is just the optimist in me. Yep. There is that potential to, if somebody is savvy in their marketing, to address those pain points. Some case which may be quite literal. Le yeah, exactly. Um, and to sell that consumer a better sleep and say, you don't have to replace your mattress every year. We can give you something that sleep better longer on John Doe mattress. Well, another thing I agree with that. I think another thing we need to look at is the uh, the Amazon market. So, who are those customers? Are those master bedroom customers? They may be um, summer at the at summer at the beach customers. They may be uh, mother-in-law guest room, in which case they don't want too good a bed. <laughs> ironically, um, I have to think a lot of those are not for master bedroom. No, I think they're also probably a lot of dorm purchases. Yeah, right? yeah, yes, that's another thing. And remember, now that they come in boxes, you can uh, you can uh, uh, shop. For you know, that's a good college uh, shop. You don't have to. You don't have to go with your uh, kid into a uh, a furniture store or a sleep shop. Help them find, pick out a bed. They can pick something out online. I think I've told the story before that uh, my daughter bought an on bought a boxed bed without even checking with her dad, who knows something about mattresses. But she was comfortable enough going online and doing that herself, which is you know good for these uh, tech savvy kids. Well, it certainly sounds like Las Vegas had a lot of things going on. It sounds like the betting business had, has a lot going on. It's going to make it very exciting to cover in the back half of this year and certainly into 2020. Yeah, it is. I, the Vegas market is really a great opportunity for, uh, for the industry. Uh, let me just close by saying one of my pet peeves is that uh, the summer market is not stronger. Uh, uh, you know, as we know, yes, it's hot in Vegas, but there is air conditioning, and I think too many retailers are skipping that summer market, and it's really a shame because, okay, maybe their lines are set, but there's so much innovation. There are new players. Uh, go to that market and, and use it as an educational market. Uh, one year, Tempur-Pedic was talking about pillows at the summer market. What a great idea. In January, there's all this new stuff, and everybody's running around looking at the new stuff. There's really not time to, ref to sit and reflect on the business, and that's one thing that does happen in July. People were telling me they had broader, more strategic conversations in July because they had more time. January, it is. There's so much to see. So, I think July is a great opportunity. You know, for me, it was a tremendous market. As you know, our markets are not really tied into traffic. If anything, uh, traffic being down a bit might help us because people have more time to spend with us. And so, there are definite opportunities there. And you know, looking at those ISPA numbers, yikes! You know, we're not in a 
we're not in a great place, but I do have to say there's a lot of excitement. There was a lot of buzz at the July market. So let's hope that uh, does give us a spark for the second half. I suspect that those numbers are, are a lagging indicator. Probably so. I think a lot of the things that we talked about here today are things that really aren't going to have an impact on the industry numbers for probably six months or a year at the earliest. So, yeah, they. Um, I think that's a good way to look at that. They probably are a lagging indicator. Another thing is, as you know, the anti-dumping uh, duties, are, that issue is just hitting the uh, industry now. Uh, people are changing sources. There's still a lot of talk about that, so there's uncertainty around that. But um, I like to, I go to the, the Vegas markets, I always come out excited, I always kind of maybe mistakenly say, this is, it's gonna be great for the next six months. But once again, I come out of Vegas, uh, like you, I come out optimistic. Uh, there, there's a lot to write about, there's a lot going on. The great thing about betting, it, it's always reinventing itself and injecting uh, uh, you know, hope and, and marketing. Betting guys are great promoters. Uh, the bedding industry will find a way. I, I have maintained for some time now that the, the furniture industry could learn a lot from their bedding counterparts in yep. terms of innovation and marketing. So I think it was a great market. I look forward to, to reading much more of what you write. Well, I appreciate the support for that. Uh, it's always good to go over these things with you. I appreciate your uh, giving me this forum and uh, how do you you like to end? How do you end your videos? Oh, uh, 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 Friday, it's wishing good business. So wishing all of our listeners good betting business. Yeah. Do you have do you have that copyrighted? No, I don't. Yeah, okay. I'm happy to share. All right. Hey, this was fun. Thanks. All right, take care. Thank you. And thank you all for listening.